welcome to Unbroken. I'm Alexandra Amore. I'm an author, a coach, and a lifelong explorer of what it means to be human. This is the podcast where my guests and I explore the inside-out nature of life and the positive effect this can have on every aspect of our lives, including letting go of unwanted habits. You'll find episode show notes, transcriptions, your complimentary video series, and lots more at unbrokenpodcast.com. And now, here's the show. Beck Steele, welcome to Unbroken. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this. I am too. Yeah, I'm really happy to be talking to you today. So right off the top, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself, your background, and how you got interested in the three principles? Okay, so yeah, I um, it was probably about ten years ago now. Um, I was had my daughter and I was working, and I thought actually I just really want to retrain in something that I'm passionate about. So I studied nutrition, and that took actually four years because I had babies in between and things um so I I retrained and I then thought as I started practicing nutrition there's more to it than just nutrition there's more than just giving people the perfect diet uh and sending them on their way and seeing them maybe once and then in six weeks time and it was around that time that I, I found the principles. I was in a quite a similar understanding, actually, um, with a couple in America. And then I was listening to, I somehow stumbled across Amy Johnson's podcast, Changeable. Mm-hmm. And I listened to some an episode on that. And suddenly I just saw things so differently, even mm-hmm. though I'd been in a very similar understanding for a very long time and had quite deep experiences this was like wow I've seen something on a whole new level around our thinking and how um, everything's thought and how our world is created through through our thinking and and then I thought I actually really want to combine nutrition with that but it I didn't feel ready because I felt like I wasn't entrenched enough in the three principles um and then I about two years ago did Rohini's rewilding um rewilding guides program and that for me was like that gave me the confidence to then bring it into my practice Mm. oh nice and so what does rewilding mean to you? Maybe you could explain that to us, you know, yeah, what that word means and how it affects the work you do. Well, we, Rohini's, um, I loved her program because it was, it was like embracing all of us, all parts of us, you know, the hidden parts that we'd kind of kept small or hidden away because they were, not okay the parts of us that maybe weren't allowed to be expressed as we were children like anger I never saw myself as an ang you know 
being able to be angry or express it in a healthy way even though it would rise up in me it was it was like it, that wasn't okay or um being sensitive um you know the parts that we we say are not okay I found that on that on the training it was like well actually all of my experience is okay and I can start to express these parts of me that I have suppressed for so long Mm. so that was that was a really um yeah that was really eye-opening for me that that program and then and then I started to bring that understanding into my practice um, to see how people really do um, keep these parts of themselves under under wraps, really, um, and how they can affect all their areas of their life. Um, but they're not aware how they are. So for my practice, it's really about bringing people much more aware of their bodies, because I think what happens is that um, we disconnect from our body. A lot of people, not everyone, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people disconnect. And that's through, um, you know, even as a child, not being able to express your emotions, being told to be quiet or have this biscuit instead this will calm you down (laughs) Um, go and play outside or distract you know ignore so all these these are subtle ways that we are not allowed to express ourselves Mm -hmm. and maybe disconnect from the body because there's these things going on in us these feelings and emotions and sensations that we're not allowed to feel we're not allowed to to express it in a healthy way and actually over time people start to just disconnect from their emotions and feelings and and lose connection with their body so that's that's one way I think another way is that people through dieting through the dieting culture through like your body's not okay Mm -hmm. as it is um through the dieting industry it's like go on this crazy diet that has actually no health benefits whatsoever, um, eat very little calories and you'll end up like a stick, but you're overriding what your body needs and your the body becomes an enemy. So it's like, well, this is something that I need to control and um, it's not serving its purpose. And I think a lot of women that are on that um in that entrenched in that dieting world who've done it for years on that yo-yo dieting journey have completely lost connection to their bodies mm-hmm. and learned to hate their bodies um so that's another thing and I think also if you're very um say you're in your mind the whole time you're very intellectual you read a lot you study a lot I think that's another way people can disconnect as well from from their bodies. So really, it is about realizing, okay, we know we've got a body, but it's like, oh, what's actually going on? It's this perfect feedback system that's happening all the time. It's talking to us in signs and symptoms and signals and um, you know, there's that direct correlation with 
we're having anxious thinking we can feel it in in our chest or in our stomachs um long-term stressful thinking stressful thoughts can cause a um and disconnect with the body but also disease you know um our immunity might um start to not be so good our digestion might not work so well um and you know this is like long-term stress that can have a big impact on the body so so this is yeah this is the area i'm most interested in really mm-hmm. And, and so when you're working with people who are disconnected from their bodies and, and you talked about the body being, becoming the enemy. And I sort of saw, I saw that in two ways. One being, we begin to, we hate the way we look, but then the second being, we don't like the signals that we're receiving from our bodies. So um, that's deeply unfortunate. So when you start to work with people, can you, how do you, get them back in touch with their bodies and kind of make friends with their bodies yeah so firstly I think it's well as like the three principles in rewilding point to we're not our our bodies (laughs) that isn't who we are Mm -hmm. at our essential core that isn't us we're way more than how we look we're way more than our weight we're way not more than our appearance and um and yet we've become so hyper focused on this one area and it's the filter that we see everything through so you know you might not want to go out for the evening just because you can't fit into the dress that you fitted in last last two weeks ago or something or you know and everything becomes the filter for how you see yourself through this very narrow prism but actually when we're connected to our true nature when we're we're aware that we're not our thoughts we're not our beliefs we're not our patterns of thinking or conditioned patterns of thinking that keep us very small it's like well there we have freedom and there's freedom within that to connect to our body in a much more fluid way but it's also about tuning into the the sensations in the body tuning into the the thing you know but slowly because people don't often want to feel things straight away because it could feel overwhelming so for me I I think I just wrote something on this today which was that I was a very sensitive child but I was always told I was too sensitive mm. so I used to have to force in the tears and not let them come out and over time, people would then say, well, you're so tough. You're emotionally so tough because you can't, you, you don't cry and you, like, you can go through these experiences and, and you're so, you know, you deal with it so well. And, and I think that actually when, it, when I allowed myself to actually start feeling again, it was like, oh, wow, I've kept a lot in there. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And was that, what was that like for you? Was that scary at first or? Um, 
I think I thought that it would come out in a certain way that I'd have some huge emotional release and and everything that I've been bottling up for so many years with but it wasn't like that it was more just now I'm just much more able to when things come up for me in the moment it just arises and it there are tears and I let them flow mm-hmm. and I could probably say I cry nearly every other day now whereas before it was like once every six months to a year so mm. <laughs> something definitely happened there. and so what I get from that now is that you you trust your experience yes I think that's it that's the key is like if if things are meant to come up they're meant to, they're coming up for a reason we don't have to talk our way out of them we don't have to say it's all our thinking um we just allow it to be there and I was always trying to control that before mm, yeah yeah I can really relate to that too as a child being sensitive and then being told not to cry and and developing a habit of just feeling like any time I felt an emotion I was being unreasonable um yeah yeah so yeah, I can there, re- there, you, there you go again oh, yeah no. that's right yeah <laughs> yeah oh, God. why are you so sensitive <laughs> we need but we it, I now see it as a real gift to be that sensitive to work with other people to be empathetic and uh, it is a gift oh absolutely yeah yeah and I just love that you touched on yeah that idea that we don't need to be afraid of our experience and that, and it does take some time. It has for me as well to, to welcome that, whatever it is and know that you're safe uh, no matter what's happening for sure. Yeah. Because it, it we're, we're the safe space. So we mm-hmm. are, whatever's arising within us is, is safe, but we've, we weren't told that, were we? Mm-mm. But because they, our caregivers didn't know that either. Yeah. How were they meant to to teach us that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't teach what you don't understand, Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, So we've talked a little bit about the mind-body connection. And is there anything you can share around um, our behaviors around eating um, and nutrition since you came to this understanding? I mean, we've kind of talked about that a little bit. Is there anything else you could say about, um, yeah, our behaviors around eating and how this understanding helps us with that? Well, I think there's often an emotional component to it. But firstly, why I love working with food is because there's so much we can do around cravings and um, needing to eat because actually a huge part of that is is eating a diet that is um, balanced in protein, carb, slow releasing carbohydrate and fresh fruit and veg. And when we, it's very simple for me. It's like when when people balance their blood sugar, so they're not on the you know high carbohydrate, high sugar, high uh, white white refined carbohydrates. So white rice, white pasta, white bread, and all of that. It's not to say we don't ever have it because that restriction doesn't work. 
Um, but once we're off the blood sugar roller coaster, 80%, I'd say, of those cravings go. Mm. And then we're left with the emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, there's the, there's the work that we can really go into. Because I just ran a course recently. And we, um, the first week, most people said, actually, a lot, a nine, yeah, so much, of, so many of their cravings had gone. Whereas before, they always felt like it was an emotional thing. And actually, a lot of it was actually just craving carbs and sugar because they're they're addictive. You know, it's it's just pure addiction. So some people you need to go slower with that with. But most people seem to get that straight away that once they know, understand the principles of that, they're, they're okay with it. And then the emotional component really is um, it's that what's driving me uh, tuning in much more to the feelings and sensations of in this moment. It's very difficult to do that sometimes, like your head's in the fridge before you even <laughs> can can feel it, you know, or, or so if you're in a, what, how I see it is if you're in a heightened state of stress there's much more emotional eating going on. So um, it's very difficult to almost control it. So it is about coming back to the body and feeling whatever is going on in in the body Mm -hmm. and noticing the thinking that might be happening. You know, what, what is the thoughts that are driving that? Is it, I've had, a really stressful day I need this I deserve this I um it's the only thing that's going to make me feel better oh what's the point I might as well give up you know there's all these sort of thoughts that drive their behavior and there's always an emotional component to it but sometimes you know it's the only thing we can do so if there's like if there is a an, an emotional situation going on and it's so intense and that's the self-soothing that needs to be in place then we can let that go but if it's always there and if it's like driving us to the alcohol or driving us to the sugary biscuits all the time and then then there's a lot that can be done to be to sit with what's actually going on start to recognize the patterns of behavior that are driving that but also these things can go really deep and quite far back (laughs) Mm. um these things might have been put in place from a like like we say the child that wasn't allowed to feel Mm -hmm. that you know felt unsafe in their environment so a biscuit was the thing that calmed them down Mm. i'm guilty of that with when i had young children I, i i used to give them food to help them and then I realized that it's not the best thing yeah Mm. yeah oh that's lovely um and so you've kind of touched on this already but so when we what we're doing when we're overeating and very often with high carb high sugar stuff is we're it's a solution not a problem right we're using Mm. that to deal with stress and um, as you said, and maybe with some emotional um, 
habits, you know, that we've developed from the past of ways to deal with our emotions and the feelings that are coming up in our body. So when, when you're working with people and, and you've shifted their nutrition a bit, and then they're starting to get in touch with their feelings, do you notice any sort of commonalities among people and what they experience as they go through that? I think everyone has their own stuff, don't they? It's mm. their own journey, but it's this, the end result's the same. If, if you know, the, the, the end result is eating or right. doing the comfort eating, but the way, the reasons why are very different. Um, but I do think that the, the common theme is people actually not recognizing that there is an emotion. They know that they emotionally eat, but it's like, oh, I really didn't see that. Okay, maybe this is just loneliness at this point in time. Mm. Um, I'm on my own. I live on my own and I work on my own. And just going and getting something from the cupboard makes me feel comforted mm-hmm. in in that moment or a ritual around making a nice drink hot chocolate with some biscuits reminds me of my parents growing up and the the love they gave me and and so there's yeah I think everyone has these different reasons but the ultimate thing is to soothe and to comfort um and then we can put things around that which aren't just food. So we can put things around like walking in nature mm. or going to a yoga class or um, doing things that feel good but that aren't just aren't just food. Um, but also the more we unravel in ourselves, the more we're like seeing into these behaviours the more and also that that the body is this amazing vessel that we're here to for this life we you know this carries us through life so when we can put in the best the nicest food the ones that's going to fuel us that's going to give us the best um variety of vitamins and minerals that's going to keep our energy sustained that is you know, generally is healthy and and comes from good quality sources, then we're giving ourselves like the most supportive life force energy. And actually, when you can start to see that you're taking away from your body, when you're putting in like, I don't know, fish and chips, um, pizza, donuts, alcohol, the body has to go through a lot of process, you know, processes to eliminate. It's almost like tox- toxins in a way, but it's not to say that we don't have those things occasionally. <clears throat> so I always, always say to my clients, um, once a week, go out and have whatever you want, or even twice a week, go out and have whatever you want. So, but but when we can start to switch in our minds that that what we're putting in is is life-giving 
I think that's a really, um, you know, it's not forced. It's not saying this food's bad or this food's good or, but actually it's giving me everything I need to support myself. Mm. <clears throat> and then we don't always, we don't have to be perfect. <laughs> right. Because perfection. Because perfection just backfires, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) One of the things that really, that I saw early on in this exploration was this idea and the metaphor people often use is that, you know, we're the sky and that our feelings and thoughts are like weather or clouds moving through the sky And that was such a huge game changer for me in terms of eating, because I think what had happened was I only, the only way I knew to deal with what was moving through was by eating something. And one of the big things I didn't realize was that I could just leave it alone and, and it would move on all by itself. Um, So I wonder, I'm just, I guess I'm just wondering if your clients, if that's something that, that lands for them quite early on, it's probably different for everybody, but. Yes, I think, yes, I, I think, well, I'm just thinking back to the course I ran and the, and the, I think within the first week, once, like I said, the, the diet side is sort of underpinning that much more but um it i think once people are aware that their thoughts are are you know giving them the feeling there's a direct correlation there Mm -hmm. they don't have to buy into that and they can let it relax within them or feel the, the the emotion that needs to be felt i yeah that clears up very quickly Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so that yeah for me that was really a linchpin and bit of understanding and uh yeah I was really grateful once I started to learn that um you've mentioned you have children and I'm really curious about um whether or not or how if you bring this uh, the three principles understanding to them at what ages are they first of all I've got a 12-year-old and a 5-year-old. Okay, yeah. This is hilarious because um, I suppose my parenting style to begin with in the first, say, five years of my daughter, so she's now 12, um, I still I had a very basic understanding of, of this sort of understanding. <laughs> um, so I was very much in that that she is the cause of my annoyance. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And that she needs to learn to behave. And I I think that probably that style of parenting went on until she was about seven or eight. Actually, it was Angus and Mahini I had some sessions with quite a few years ago now. Um. But before that, I'd had a turnaround in that she she's just acting out of her innocence as a child. 
she's learning um she's fine there was a stage where I thought she wasn't fine mm. you know what what's she going to be like how's she going to turn out as an adult um she had dyslexia so she had lots of anger and things like that and I I thought I need to kind of squash that in her and because that's the style of parenting that I grew up with and so yeah I wasn't a perfect well I'm not a perfect parent but I bring now I I just see even in her worst moods I see always who she is Mm. and I think we do recover very quickly if we ever do have something because I will always apologize if I've you know shouted at her in a in the wrong way or something it's never that she's the child I'm the adult and you listen to me so that there's that and but when I try to talk to her about stuff she says oh mum life doesn't (laughs) work like that look in your lovely where everything's so positive in your nice world the world isn't like that let me tell you (laughs) I think she just thinks I spout out all this nice sounding stuff and (laughs) Yeah. yeah so but I think she gets it on one level and my son who is five is he is very um he's just such an wonderful being and I think even from day one knowing that is such a gift to have for your for your children just mm-hmm. knowing that because um, I know that when when I was a baby I was called it jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and that's what my mum referred to my children as when they were born oh it needs feeding it's got it's crying it's like well <laughs> Oh, goodness. Yeah. They've got names. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so it sounds like maybe in in your parenting, the big shift is kind of on your side of the equation, uh, not so much about uh, indoctrinating your children about the principles, but it's really about you can yeah. see their resilience and their resourcefulness and um, their innate well-being. And I imagine, I'm, I'm not a parent, I have never been a parent, but um, like I know, I've noticed the, just the settling down in me, in my relationships in life. As a parent, is that part of what happens to you? Just really settle down and relax? Yes, I think that's it. Because, um, you know, they can trigger you a lot. They are your greatest teacher. Yeah you know they're pushing all the buttons of what you need to see in yourself <laughs> um and I when I saw that very clearly it was like oh yeah that she's my daughter's just a, a mirror to what's going on in me mm. um and that was very helpful I worked through quite a lot of stuff when I saw that and then and then um with Max so my youngest he's five the other day um we were meant to go somewhere and I said we'd get the train and then actually it turns out the train was really expensive so I had to drive and he hated the fact that we had to drive so he had a tantrum for about 45 minutes Mm, oh my goodness (laughs) and 
I guess the old me would have been like, snap out of this, don't be, don't be like this, go to your room. But now I just see that he needs to go through his emotions. In the end, he says he's. In the end, he said, "I'm sorry, mummy." <laughs> so, oh, no. Yeah. So it is a different feeling towards it all. Yes. Yeah, and and just letting that little storm pass through him, knowing it would come to an end eventually. Yeah, and and also recognizing, like, I know you're angry. I know you're mm-hmm. really angry. Um, yeah. I know you're disappointed. I know you're frustrated. But you know, we, I can do my bit, but my husband is. He's not so. I think he learns a bit by osmosis, but he's not really interested. Mm-hmm. So he has his way. So mm-hmm. they're going to get a bit of whatever. <laughs> it's not always good. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, and I guess that's the other challenge too: being in a relationship and, yeah, mm. co-parenting. It's not just you. There's somebody else involved. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, this has been great, Bex. I've so enjoyed talking to you. Is there anything else you'd like to share that we haven't touched on before we wrap up? Um, well, the Sydney Banks quote, which um, if one, oh, I always. I'm really bad at actually getting quotes right. But, you know, if we weren't afraid of our mm-hmm. experience, that alone would change the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, for me, that is now becoming more and more pre- uh, um, present in my life. It's like what, what, whatever's coming will come mm-hmm. up for me. And life is a, is a game that we can play. And... We don't need to take it as seriously as we did. And there will be days where we take it very seriously. And, um, but even that's part of the, the game. And I love the sky and the, and the, and the clouds analogy. But um, I heard recently that we are the sky. We are the sky, but we're also the clouds. And I think that's, I love that because it's like, because all of it's okay. Right. It's all of us. So when we can start to see that everything is us mm-hmm. and it's all happening in our present moment, mm-hmm. it can only be happening now. Mm-hmm. I think there's even more spaciousness around that. Yes. That's a great word. Yeah. Spaciousness. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And so where can we find out more about you and your work? Um, so I, my website is Be Well Nutrition. So letter B, mm-hmm. not B-E. So okay. letter B and then wellnutrition.co.uk. And I do offer a, um, an initial consultation for free if okay. people want to. Want. Great. Um, yeah. Okay, I will put links in the show notes uh, to your websites. People can always find those. And uh, thank you again for being with me here today. Thank you so much. It's great to chat to you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you found the show helpful and uplifting. You'll find all the backlist episodes and show notes at unbrokenpodcast.com.
If you'd like to connect, go to alexandraamore.com forward slash connect. I'll see you next time.